This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour, from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and we get into the mental side of sports on this show, and obviously there aren't a lot of sports going on right now, but there's a lot of mental stuff to get into. You know, I've been here for 19 years, been on the radio for 29 years, straight in Kansas City, our show. I've been working the last year or so on getting it around the country, we're on in 11 cities, actually coast to coast, we're on all over the place, and our list is growing. And, you know, this is the only weekly sports psychology show in the country that we know of, and I try to delve into issues that I think are important. As I said, 29 years on the radio, I'm in my 39th year of work as a sports psychologist. Um, actually, after the day after Labor Day, it'll be beginning of my 40th year which just blows me away by doing this long. I'm 65 years old. I love what I do. I love, I got into this business because when I was growing up, my father was a physician and my father was a very, very prominent, successful doctor. He was a little bit obsessed about his work, but he said something once that left a huge impact on me. He said, I became a physician to help people and help save people's lives when they're ill. And he did save a lot of people's lives. He was a gastroenterologist and he was one of the innovators doing uh, sigmoidoscopies, colonoscopies, endoscopies, all those procedures that most people don't want to talk about or don't like. Um, I watched him do many of them as I grew up. And he would be on call night long back in the days when doctors would be on call and take the calls themselves. And many a night he'd leave and get up at two, three in the morning and drive to the hospital or drive to a patient's home to help him out. In fact, there were several times when I was home from graduate school, he asked me to drive in places because he was tired and wanted to be able to focus on what he was doing when he got there. And Probably the reason I became a psychologist is in much the same way to help people. None of us are perfect. We all screw up. We all make mistakes. And life is strange. You know, there's a song with, by the doors, people are strange. Anyway, life is strange. You don't know what's going to happen next. And many, many times I've shared on this show the quote my uh, great uncle, Hirsch Jacobs, told me. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. And you know, we've sort of changed that around right now. Life is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. We're, we're in a very strange and unknown time. However, we've been in it now for going on a couple of months. 
and we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. People are getting antsy. People are getting irritable. People are getting hungry to get out of their house. People want to get back to a life. It may not be the same life we had initially, but they want to get back to life. I do. My youngest son who lives in New York has been home with me for six and a half weeks with his dog. Thank goodness they're here. And he wants to go back to New York when it's safe. And his mother and I both discussed with him, yeah, it'd be great to go back, but you're not going back till it's the right time. We'll get to spend his 29th birthday together next week for the first time in about nine years. So there are some positive things that can come out of this for families. I know a lot of people are maybe tired of being together and cooped up in their homes, but you know what? There are a lot of good things that can come out of this. Sharing things together, working together, discussing things together, communicating, understanding feelings, discussing frustrations. This is, you know, there are two ways to look at this. And this is how I've, I've been talking to my clients about it. You know, there, I mentioned this last week. I, I'm doing telehealth now, phone sessions or FaceTime sessions with people. And yesterday I did it with a young lady who's a, a young gymnast. And how are you? She's bored. In fact, I mentioned to her, I would wish her a happy birthday because Tavia Shea is 12 today. So happy birthday, Tavia. Wonderful young lady is the gymnast and she's doing things at home, working out at home. She has a little thing called an air track in her backyard where she's doing her, some of her gymnastics routines on, working on her skills. And for a lot of young athletes and older athletes, I work with a lot of professional athletes, they're working on their skills. They're becoming innovative. I know one NFL player I work with, he, he said, Doc, I, I, I had to do that. I bought a whole gym for my garage. And I am out there working out every day. They do virtual sessions online with his team. And then he does workouts. He does workouts before that and after that. Because he can't go to a gym. So he's been doing that at home. I have another guy who's doing the same thing, another NFL player who wants to be the best at what he can do. And he told me, he says, you know what, Doc? I'm doing, every, I'm doing this every day. I'm working out every day. And my teammates are not, a lot of them aren't working out like I am. They're frustrated. They're angry. And he goes, I think when they come back, a lot of them are going to get hurt. And that's right. A lot of people are probably going to come back gung-ho when we can start training again and get hurt. And for a lot of kids today, a lot of young athletes, that's going to be a problem. So today, we're going to have a guest on after our first break. His name's Doug Wiesner. He's the program director of youth sports medicine at the University of Kansas Health Systems. I've known Doug since the 1980s when he was the athletic trainer and I was the team psychologist at the Kansas City Comets indoor soccer team. Doug's been on the show several times over the years. Good friend. Very knowledgeable. Extremely knowledgeable about youth sports. And we're going to talk about coming back how to come back the right way because a lot of kids are going to come back and get hurt. I have a feeling because they're going to come back so fast and they're out of shape. And now's the time when you can be doing things mentally and physically to get yourself in the best shape you can get in to be ready to come back. So Doug's going to be joining us after our first break for the rest of the show. We're going to talk about this and we're going to take your calls. If you are a parent and you're concerned about your kids coming back, maybe coming back too quickly or what's the right way to come back training wise, physically and mentally 
want you to call us. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, 
More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hope you're having a nice morning or afternoon, wherever you might be when our show is rebroadcast later on in the week. You know, this show is about you, and it's about helping you. Like I said, as I mentioned in my intro, I've been a psychologist for 39 years, and I got into this profession with the idea of helping people get better. A lot of people ask me, why do you do this? I said, because I enjoy, and I mentioned my father, who's a physician. Um, I like to help people. And you know what? Now people need a lot of help right now because a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are angry. A lot of people are scared. And a lot of athletes are worried about not if, but when they come back and start getting to, they get to start training again. How am I going to train? What kind of shape am I going to be in? They don't want to get, the last thing you want to do is be idle for two, three months, then come back and get injured and then be idle again. So it's really important to make sure that you're able to come back the right way and do it slowly, not jump into things. And as I mentioned, it's the physical side and the mental side, both combined. And joining us in a few minutes will be Doug Wiesner. He's the program director, youth sports medicine at the University of Kansas Health Systems. And he's going to help us with this because he knows about training. He knows about dealing with athletes. And Dougie, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good, Andy. How are you doing? Thanks um, for having me on. Well, listen, it's always good to have you on. You've been on with me many times. You know, we've known each other. Can you believe we've known each other now for 35 years? And you'll still talk to me. That's even more amazing. Well, um, it's uh, it is amazing. What's really amazing, I think, is that two old guys like us, technologically, technologically, have been able to set this thing up and pull this off. I, when when you asked me to come on a couple of days ago, I was like, "How are we going to do this conference call? Get it on the internet? Do this? Do that?" That's unbelievable. Well, here we, yes, and here we are, and here we are. Yeah, and here we are. So, uh, yes, it is unbelievable that it's been 35 years. So, uh, but it's been a great friendship. Well, yes, it is. And, you know, I, I respect and admire you a lot. And we've obviously stayed in touch throughout the years from our days back with the Kansas City Comets indoor soccer team, which, which may have been some of the most fun I've ever had working with people. Those guys were great to work with. And let's face it, they were, they were an energetic, interesting group of guys. Now, wanted to have you on today because, let's face it, we're, we're in a scenario right now we've never been in before. People are locked up at home, and but we are at the point now where we're starting to see some states easing restrictions, letting people start to get out, start to do things. And I and as you know, I work with a lot with a lot of youth athletes, and a lot of them are scared. They've told me they're scared to come back too too fast when they're able to come back and train because they don't want to get injured. Now, 
you have a background in athletic training. You're you're the program director for U Sports Medicine for the University of Kansas Health Systems, so you know a little bit about this. So, what would what, what would be some things we should we should tell kids and parents about as far as coming back when when they are allowed to start to come back and train because a lot of them haven't been training. Well, number one, there's ways to find um, means to train. Yeah, you just have to come outside your box. And that's what and, and that's what this situation is causing us to do is come outside of our box, our comfort zone. There are ways to get things done. But you're correct um, listening to the opening segment in that the fear is that um, our kids are doing nothing and that when they do come back and um, and go uh, start participating in uh, organized sports again, that they have done nothing and that the entry rate will increase. So it is vitally important that, you know, the old saying, you reap what you sow. If you sit around and you wait for the last two weeks, it's not going to be a pleasant outcome when you do get back into sports. But if you continue to keep your body active right now, and you continue to find different ways, even though the gyms aren't open, the schools aren't open, those type of things, and keep your body active. And there's ways out there to do that. And then you put forth that effort of, uh, we know that we're gonna go back to sports. Um, Our first practice is on this day, six weeks prior is what I usually tell people, and start getting into that sport-specific mode. Go ahead. So, so let me ask this question because as you're talking, this is what's popping into my mind. Not only are the kid, <clears throat> the kids, going to be excited to get back out there, but the coaches are too. And you and I both know how coaches are. And yeah, absolutely. A lot of them are going to be frothing at the bit, foaming at the mouth to get out there and go, and they're going to want to go full speed ahead right away. So, what's the best way to come back? Because let's let's just say. It's a soccer team, a youth soccer team, and the team's going to be able to start training again. And obviously you have a background in soccer, so that's why I brought this up. What would you say to the coaches if it's a group of teenagers, say 12 or 13, 14-year-olds, who probably have been doing something physically. Let's face it, they're just not sitting around playing video games 24 hours a day. I'm sure they've been doing something. But nonetheless, the, the team's going to come back. What would you suggest to the coach? What do you tell the coach as far as bringing them back slowly and, and in a smart way? Well, you said who your audience is. There are a bunch of teenagers. They're not our Kansas City Comets that were getting paid and were supposed to come into camp, which most of them didn't, in shape. Uh, they're a bunch of teenagers. So you have to account for the fact that um, they didn't have the structure that they had in the past. You know, in, in the school systems, the gyms are open during the uh, summertime. They can come in, and coaches are in there. Um, and they're watching the weight room, and they're seeing who's here and who's not here. The coaches are going into it just as blind as the um, as the student athletes are, because coaches don't get to see them now. You know, the advent of Zoom, and, and when I say advent, it's probably been around ten years. I just learned it last week. Uh, but the advent of Zoom, um, coaches can reach out, and hopefully, they are putting forth a um, a workout schedule for them. Um, you know, over this timeline when we're not having sports. If I, if I can interject right the, Yeah, if I can interject right there, I, I have a young lady who's 14 I'm working with, and her coach is indeed doing that twice a week. They do workouts on Zoom. He gets the whole team, and he does conditioning stuff with them. 
he's watching all of them, and then he has them do some running and things like that. So, so that is being used, and it's, and it's and successful. It's helping. She says it's really been good to see her teammates and to, to get some of this going. And she said, you know, we're, we've been doing it for two weeks now. We're starting to feel like we're getting into some sense, some kind of shape. <clears throat> so, so, yeah, that's, that's one way of doing it. But a lot of coaches like it. So, so for coaches, and this is where I would jump in, I think a lot of coaches right now, since we're getting closer, obviously, to some the point where we will be able to come, but we don't know when that's going to be here. I know there are some states where it's going to start soon. But if I, I would suggest, I want to get your opinion on this, if I'm a coach, I would contact the athlete and their parents, or the kids on your team, and find out, number one, just how they are. How are they doing? I think it's important to just let them know you're interested. But second, find out what have you been doing training-wise, conditioning-wise, what's been going on, so you have some idea about that. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, I don't fault that at all. I think that reaching out, I think you should reach out. I think that student-athlete wants to hear from their coach and wants to have some type of direction put forth in front of them. And so I would definitely um, recommend uh, the coaches to be reaching out to your student-athletes. You know, reach out to the parents because these are minors. You want to do it the correct way. You know, reach out to the parents. Say, this is what we're going to be presenting on Zoom today. Happy to have you on the call with us. Um, you know, so it's done correctly. But um, I think that it's paramount that the, that the uh, coaches right now are out reaching out to them. You know, um, um, Andy Reid, Brett Veach, uh, Clark Hunt, they were all on the phone yesterday, Zoom, and all their draft choices. And they're going to continue to do that. Well, you know, the, the colleges, the high schools, the middle schools, they have the same technology. So they're going to do it. Why wouldn't we want to do it? You know, Doug, it's about communication, and we're going to go to our break here in a few minutes. When we come back, I want to get into this because, to me, it's about communicating. And I think now is a great time, if you're a coach, and I think you're reinforcing this, if you're a coach, this is a great time to reach out to your athletes, their parents, find out how they're doing if you haven't already, and here's something I would suggest. Have them write down their goals and their fears right now. What are the goals for you when you come back? And what are you scared of? What are you afraid of? See what they say. Some of them may say getting hurt. Some of them may not. Some of them may say, you know, that I come back too quick or too, too fast. I don't know. But I think it's important that they do that. Get some communication going. And that's what you're saying, Doug Wiesner, my friend. I want to thank you. You're going to be with us for the rest of the show. Doug's expertise is here in working with youth athletes. And I want to hear from you. If you're a parent, you're an athlete, you have a question about this, give us a call. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, talking with you about sports psychology. And obviously, we've been limited on the psychological side of sports because there haven't been any sports, but there's a lot of psychological stuff to talk about pertaining to being a human being and dealing with life. And joining me today is Doug Wiesner. He's the program director of youth sports medicine at the University of Kansas Health Systems. And we're talking about coming back when we're allowed to start training again. And, and you know, Doug, um, parents ha- ask me a lot of questions throughout the week in regards to things like this. You know, coming back, training, what's, what's the right way to come back? What if you have a coach who's trying to push the kids too hard, too fast? 
What should parents do? I mean, the coaches are going to be excited. The kids are going to be excited when you can get back onto the soccer field, the baseball diamond, wherever it might be. What do you suggest coaches do initially? Should they have a meeting with the parents and the athletes and sit down and talk about all this and maybe find out what some of the fears and frustrations everybody might have about getting back into training? Well, I think you uh, stated it well in the last segment. Communication is key here. Uh, so when we have that date with it, that we can go back, I think that um, the coaching staff, wherever you're at, getting together with the parents and saying, okay, that was an unusual time. We hope that our student-athletes have been taking care of themselves, getting their sleep, getting, uh, getting their nutrition, hydrating themselves well, uh, getting some type of conditioning in. Um, but based on the fact that this is an unusual time, here is the way we're going to present our conditioning program to your kids. And what would you suggest that be? Like, what's, what do you think? I know every sport's different and everybody's different depending on ages and things like that. But what would you suggest? Like, you know, for example, after this show every week for years, I go swim a half mile. Well, I haven't been in the pool now for two months. So I'm probably not going to swim a half mile the first day I can get back in the pool. I probably won't go quite that far because, I don't, you know, I might. We'll just see how I feel. But I'll probably be a little bit sore after that. Now I'm 65. If I was 13 or 14, it may not hurt that much. But what would you suggest to coaches about just getting started? Well, for you, I'd suggest arm waders first. But with the, uh, with the coaches... At least, you, at least uh, you didn't tell me not to do it because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the coaches, you know, um, moderation is the key and acclimation is huge. And so it may be more of a teaching time to start out. Um, if you're, let's say your goal is to be 100%, you might want to start out somewhere 25 to 50%, but spend that extra amount of time with your kids teaching. Um, that way, when you're starting to put plays in, it's fresh in their minds because they've learned it, and you're acclimating their bodies because their bodies will come back. And no matter what you do, no matter what you do at home during this period, that coach is going to make you do something different that's going to stress a different part of your body and you're going to be sore and too fast too soon creates an injury okay so what's popping into my mind and you know me my mind goes in a lot of directions when i listen to things is when this happens let's say you've got the coach and he's got the workout planned and the athlete is scared they're afraid they're afraid of getting hurt they're afraid that they may be pushing too far they may you know, they want to please the coach. They want to be back. When that fear factor pops up, Doug, what do you suggest? What should they do? Because, you know, I think that's where it's important to coaches communicate with the, the parents and the athletes. Look, I want to be here. I'm your support system. I want to help you. Um, if you're you're scared, if you're afraid, if you're feeling a, a, a pain or a twist or a pull or something, I want you to tell me. But, you know, these kids want to please the coaches and they want to play. So how do you get through that? especially from the position you've worked in over the years? Well, um, certainly if you have a medical presence on the team, a la an athletic trainer, you get together with the athletic trainer and you say, here's what we've got with this student athlete, and I need your help in getting them over this hump. You definitely include the parents because the last thing a parent wants to find out is two weeks later, oh, well, we had this problem with your child, 
and um, you know we failed to consult because again when we talk about student athletes and when I'm talking about student athletes I'm talking about the majority of my student athletes are minors and so I have to um, you know as a coach recommend to them here's what we're going to do and that medical presence if you're fortunate enough to have that can play a huge role in that um, transition. Are kids afraid to tell coaches that they're hurt yeah. or something's wrong because they want to play so bad that they don't yeah. want to let the coach think, think that they're weak? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you, you know, um, concussion is still a big topic out there, um, and there are times where my staff will tell me, you know, the kid didn't disclose that he got hit in the head two weeks ago, and he's been having ongoing symptoms. I just found out about it today. You know, it's still an education. You know, there's nothing wrong with communicating, whether you have an injury, whether you have a fear, whether you have an anxiety, whatever that might be. There's nothing wrong with communicating, but um, there's still that persona out there that, oh, I got to be a tough, uh, I got to be tough, I got to work through this. I, I don't, I can't let anybody know that. Yeah, when it comes to concussions, and I've worked with so many kids get concussions and it's not just playing football i mean i've had volleyball players who've gotten concussions i've had swimmers who've gotten concussions they swim into the wall i mean it happens to a lot of kids and yeah yeah, and 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 you just hit on something a lot of kids are afraid to say they're hurt because they don't want to jeopardize their playing time so they won't say anything and then what happens to them well they they uh they increase the their risk is what they're doing whether it's concussion whether it's a sprained ankle um, you know, some of these things are easy to see. Coach um, uh, sees somebody out there limping, and hopefully they're going to go over to the kid and say, "Why are you limping?" Well, I don't want to stop, but I rolled my ankle here. Well, hopefully the coach has the uh, wherewithal to say, "Let's stop." But um, yeah, if you continue to try to perform on a injured body, pretty much it's going to continue to get worse and worse. You know. Years ago, with the Kansas City Comets, when we were there, we had a guy, we got in a trade from Chicago who was a forward who was from Argentina. I think you know who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, thank and, and he had, he came here, he'd had, I believe, surgeries on both knees, if I'm correct, and rehab with you and Craig Kloss for months before he was ready to come back and play. And I remember, you know, he finally got cleared to play, and we had our workout in the morning down at Kemper Arena before the game that night and he was going full speed in the workout and then he pulled me aside and said hey Andy let can we talk for a minute so I remember we went up in the stands and talked and I can still see him sitting there with his warm-up you know bib on drenched in sweat and he said I'm scared blankless I said what why are you scared because I don't want to get hurt again I said I get it I wouldn't want to get hurt either I said, but you've been working out, you know, he'd been working out for quite a while with you guys. He was in excellent shape. I said, your your knees are probably stronger than they were before the injuries, right, Doug? Wouldn't you agree with that after those surgeries? You're probably stronger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I know where you're going. Yeah, and he was scared to come back and play. And we talked about, look, Doug and Craig wouldn't have you and Rick, our head coach, Billy wouldn't have you out here if you weren't ready to go. They've got faith in you. You've got to have that faith in yourself. And he went back, came and played that night, and I think he scored a couple goals, two or three goals, I think, and he played great after that. 
But yeah, I, I think it's a confidence factor. That's where I'm going. That's where uh, I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to go. Yeah, it, 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 it's all about confidence. Um, you put in the work, and, and you can never um, simulate game speed in practice speed in a medical environment. You can never simulate that. There's always a different notch to that. But you have to give your student athlete the confidence and say, we have done this, we have done this, we have done this, we have done this. You don't lie to them. Um, I don't lie to anybody. If somebody falls on the outside of my knee, if Andy goggles fog up in the pool tomorrow when he goes and swims, he's going to hit his head on the, on, the, on the side of the pool and get a concussion maybe. You don't lie to your student athletes. You tell them injuries are a part of this game, but you are as prepared as possible to go out there and perform your craft and perform your craft at a high level. And you give them that confidence to go out there and do that. And then they get out there, and I know who you're talking about. He got out there after two shifts. I mean, you know, he came over to us and after the first shift and said, yeah, that was okay. After the second shift, I never saw him the rest of the game. Right. He played his game. I'm talking to Doug Wiesner, Program Director, U Sports Medicine, University of Kansas Health Systems, and sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is Doug Wiesner. He's the program director for youth sports medicine with the University of Kansas Health System. And we're talking about when you come back and start playing your sport again, what's the best way to do it, the smartest way to do it, the safest way to do it. Doug's got experience. He's worked as an athletic trainer over the years. He's, I've known him for 35 years, as I said at the top of the show. Great guy, extremely knowledgeable, and we've worked together on a number of athletes over the years, and he's, he knows what he's doing. So here's the thing. If you're a parent right now and you're concerned about your son or daughter coming back into their sport when they're allowed to start training again because they've been somewhat sedentary, you know, we've been stuck at home, they haven't been able to do a lot of skill training right now, what's your concern? If you have a question with that, give us a call. If you're an athlete and you're worried about coming back too quickly same thing and if you're a coach what are your plans to get your team back together again have you been working online we talked about and and, and doug i want to get into this a little more you know coaches need to spend some time with their athletes right now talking to them understanding how they're feeling you know a coach can ask their athlete you know what kind of training have you been doing what condition you've been doing but i think more importantly they I i think they need to ask them how are you what do you think about that you know, you know, I yeah. get into the psychological stuff, so. <laughs> yes, I do. And that's okay. That's why we're on this show. Um, yeah, I think, that, um, I think that every day you want to know how your athlete is doing. Um, I've seen great coaches come up to their athlete, you know, during, you, you know, a warm-up period and, and go, how's everything going for you? How, how are things going? It's the only way. Some of these athletes are very quiet individuals. And they won't say boo to you unless you ask. And then all of a sudden you ask, and the floodgates open up. And so I've seen a lot of coaches in warm-up periods walk around to their entire team, uh, whether that's a 53-man roster or whether that's a 15-man basketball team, and say, how's everything going? Is everything all right? And then when they find out, you know, the smart coach comes up and says, hey, how's everything going with this? And so – Again, you go back to that word communication. Well, and to me, that's where it starts now, okay, as we're getting closer. And, of course, we don't know when, but we are getting closer to opening up some sports venues and giving kids the opportunity to come back and play again. You know, there's that word play. You know, train and play. Okay, so if you're giving kids that opportunity to do that, 
I think now's the time if you're a coach, you've got a team uh, to give give your get in contact with your kids. I was going to say give them a call, but it might be a text or an email or whatever. But get get in touch with them, get in touch with their parents, see how they are, ask them how they're doing, ask them what they're frustrated with, what are they scared about when they come back, what are they excited about coming back about, and so you'll get a, a formulated game plan, right? And that that will help these coaches and people in your position, trainers, right? To help and, and trainers right. need to do that just as just as much, right? Well, yeah. As an athletic trainer, I always worry about my two weeks um, of of before anything started. Are, are they going to pull something? Did they do anything? Are they going to puke all over the hill when we run the hill? Um, you know what's going to go on? And so, coaches giving your student athletes programs. Um, is only going to benefit them. And at least as a coach, we can go back and say, did you receive my program that I gave you back in May? Yes, I did. Did you do any of that? Well, I got this, this, this. Or, yes, I did this every day. You know, there are, there, there, you know, I work with teenagers, and nothing, teenagers are fabulous people, but there's a lot of excuses sometimes. And uh, there's a lot of excuses with pro, pro players. You know that, and I know that. So, um, um, and a lot of people will procrastinate. So it's it's vitally important that coaches get out there, communicate, send something out. And if coaches don't have anything to send out, I can tell you, you know, um, um, the the health system at KU Sports Med on Instagram, we've got two strength and conditioning coaches, Will and Kelsey, doing daily programs that. Coaches can refer them out there. There are places to go and 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 look at um, programs and see whether or not this is what you like, or maybe the coach is just, you know, this has been what I've done all these years. This is what I'm going to continue to preach. It's so if okay. you got if you got some programs available, where, how could people find them? Well, it's, uh, it's if, if they just go out to Instagram, uh, which is a little bit above my 62 year old knowledge, and um, go to KU Sports Med. We've got two coaches um, that are doing daily um, 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 strength and conditioning programs. One's Kelsey, and uh, the other one is Will, and they're doing this on a daily basis. So there, what, what I'm trying to say is there are ways to go out and get programs sent to your kids. You just need to go out and find them. So the most important component of what we're getting into here is communication. More and maybe now you know you and I of course we talk about this forever and of course when I started with the Kansas City Comets I got hired uh, Christmas Eve day 1984 and then the head coach Pat McBride resigned the next day and Rick Benben became the head coach and we all worked together of course when I started you're like who is this guy what's what do we need him for right out in Las Vegas doing the Jacobson, Jacobson relaxation method right in the uh, in the uh, locker room at the was it Thomas and Max Center. Thomas, Thomas and Macarena Center, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we did that, and, and uh, we had guys from, I think, what, 12 different countries, something like we that. We had a lot of different countries. Yeah, and, and, you know, but I think it, it took about two, three weeks, but I think guys pretty much accepted what I was doing and started to realize the benefit of that. Um, yeah. And, and I know you, you, you accepted it pretty quickly, um, in contrast yeah. to, to your coworker who took a little longer. But um, I, I think that, you know, th- that's why I think over the years – if, with this situation right now, especially with kids, you know, everybody's frothing at the bit to get out and start playing again, training again, having fun again, being with their friends, being with their teams, getting out and doing stuff. So it's important 
to just come back in a, in a slow way and then get back in. You, you'll, you'll get back into it pretty quick. The worst thing we want kids to do and coaches to do is get their teams back so fast that kids end up injuring themselves and hurting themselves, then they're going to be out longer. So your your suggestion overall right now, for let's start with the coaches, is what? What would you suggest to coaches that they do in terms of getting ready to start, getting ready to practice? Communicate and give your kids an expectation. This is what I'm expecting when you come back. But, it, but don't set that expectation so high that it's unachievable, but set an ex- expectation that you're comfortable with and uh, communicate that. Make sure your kids know that. Okay. What would you suggest to the parents? Um, the parents probably want to see them doing something and not just sitting playing video games or what have you. So encourage your kids to do something. Um, you know, I was an old parent. I was 39 when my daughter was born. Um, but still, I tried to get involved. He was a competitive softball pitcher. And uh, her and I would go out three, four, five times a week and do um, pitching. And she would pitch to me. So try to get involved. Um, you know, practice what you preach a little bit. It's good for you, too. Okay. And then finally, for the kids, for the young athletes, your suggestion, or older athletes, whoever it might be, your suggestion don't, is what? Don't set a timeline when we know here's the date. Everything's back to quasi-normal. Here's the date. Set a timeline. Work to that timeline. Don't wait till the last minute. Doug, you have been extremely knowledgeable in sharing your advice today. I really appreciate it. People want to get a hold of you. You're the program director of Youth Sports Medicine at the University of Kansas Health Systems. How can they find you? How can they get a hold of you You know, if they want a one-on-one conversation? Well, my office number is 574-1908. Unfortunately, what, what area I'm, code is that? It's 913, sorry. It's 913. Uh, unfortunately, right now, I am one of those people that does their work from home. So my email address would be dweisner, W-I-E-S-N-E-R, at K-U-M-C dot E-D-U. Listen, thank you so much for being here today. I think your advice has been tremendous. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from this. Like I said, our shows are podcasted around the world. Last year, I found out 65,000 times these shows have been podcasted. A lot of people are going to listen to this, and I'll bet you hear from some people. Doug, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it, my friend. Always a pleasure, Andy. Take care. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can reach me, my website, winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S. Follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych, or give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 